Lonely Monk Productions. I don't know if y'all have watched The Mitchells vs. The Machines on Netflix yet, but yo. That's my joy! That's my joy! What is good, friends and family, neighbors, near and far? Welcome to the Yo, That's My John podcast, a podcast so short, we don't even use all of the letters. I am your host, Nate Runkle, a.k.a. Nate 3.0, and I hope this podcast finds you in good health and in good spirits. Happy Memorial Day, folks! Please excuse my voice. I played a live gig yesterday, and this old dog just ain't running back with the stick like he used to. If you are new to the pod or you are not familiar with the podcast, these are normally just short supplemental mini-episodes released on the off weeks to do some housekeeping, catch up, preview the next episode, stuff like that. But this week, you are in for a treat. Earlier this month, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame announced its 2021 Hall of Fame inductees. Tina Turner, Carol King, The Go-Go's, Todd Rundgren, Kraftwerk, Charlie Patton, Gil Scott Heron, Billy Preston, LL Cool J, Clarence Avant, Randy Rhodes, and the fucking Foo Fighters? The inclusion of the Foo Fighters threw my brain into a tizzy and I needed to talk about it. So, to help me swallow that pill, I threw up the bat signal and called an emergency meeting of the PA chapter of the Fun-Loving Criminals Fan Club. So, joining me today on the podcast to discuss the 2021 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees and, more specifically, Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters are my former guest of the pod, DX, and one of my bestest mates in this life, James Gang. Welcome to the show, The Brothers Ferris. All right. All right. Ready right when you are. All right. So I am joined today by the Brothers Ferris for a good roundtable discussion about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees. Live in front of your naked, steaming eyeballs for the first time on a podcast. <laughs> I did not know it's going to be that kind of call. And let me start off by saying that I was on uh, I was on this podcast, this excellent, kick-ass, very cool podcast before, and uh, apparently I've referred to my brother um, as my brother somewhere between seven and 95 times without mentioning his actual name, and uh, I would like to apologize for that. Uh, My brother is a cool dude, and I love my brother. My brother's name is, uh, fuck. No, that was my own psycho privacy issues. Um, my brother is James, and I'm very, very excited to be here talking with him. Hello, glad to be here. You know, this is actually my second podcast appearance. The first one I recorded was ultimately never released, so I'm, oh. I'm crossing my fingers this one makes it. Okay, yeah, this one will make it, um, you know, if we don't get canceled before then. Uh, <laughs> we should be good. Uh, but, you know, Nate, as I said... quit your podcasting job. <laughs> It's Adrian, coming. folks, they're coming for me. Pay to play. Um, so, like I said, I wanted to put this roundtable together to discuss the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame questions, but or uh, inductees. But um, before we do, let me just get some general thoughts. Uh, we'll go around the horn. We'll start with James. Uh, what do you think of the Rock Hall of Fame? Are you a fan? Do you think it has a place? Uh, it, it has a place. I mean, I, I have no strong feelings about it either way. Like. Like many awards, it is purely designed just to just for the industry to pat itself on the back primarily. Uh, I've been to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame once, and I found it kind of dull, to be honest. It's not that good. 
Yeah, I mean, it's not I, that good. Part of my, I, I think my whole problem with it is most music for me is about my personal connection to it. And I don't really have a personal connection to Jim Morrison's pants. Yeah. Which were on well, the sleigh. It's small, too. It's small. His pants? Well, no. Uh, the Rock Hall. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Like it looks big on the outside, but inside. Yeah, so, so I mean, there was also there was nothing pants. about the physical space that grabbed me, and and just even conceptually, like okay, it's everybody, uh, it's everybody patting each other on the back. Yeah, I mean, how excited you, you raise a very good point, which is, I, and I've always questioned those kind of museums because, like, how excited can you get at, like, hey, this is the guitar pick or the microphone that he did this with, and I don't, I don't care about that. Exactly. You know, there's no way to put together a, a museum that makes me feel as excited as I did about listening to Nirvana for the first time when I was 14, you know, no matter what they put in there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Dave, what do you think? Yeah, you know, I back to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and Museum, you know, as a former sometimes journalist, uh, I have to refer to its full official title, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and Museum. Uh, I saw the ZZ Top Eliminator car there. And this was 2003, 2004 ish before cell phone cameras were a really big thing. And they were dicks about not letting people take a picture with the car. Really? So, what is the point of going to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Museum and seeing the ZZ Top Eliminator and being told you can't have a photo with this car? That's just a dick move. And that's 100%. kind of emblematic of what the Rock and Roll hall of fame tends to be like you can come and look at it but you don't get anything cool you don't get any real access because it's for us it's for us and our little circle jerk club of people that we think is cool and the club's getting a little bit cooler in recent years you know some heavy bands have been in uh iron maiden didn't make the cut this year for reasons that are very thoroughly deserved they know what they did that's a whole other subject but uh you know it's basically on one hand, you have to you have to have accomplished some things. You have to have penetrated the national consciousness. But I mean, by the time Slayer, my dudes, um, and like by the time they won a Grammy, for example, they they were in there because people knew what the word Slayer was. Yeah. And to paraphrase Henry Rollins, when your mom knows what something is, it's over. But to get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, your mom has to know who they are. So on one hand, you certainly have to get up to that level. You know, I'm not one of these people that will say, well, the Eagles suck, you know, just because they uh, they have the best selling album of the 20th century doesn't mean, you know, well, that does mean something. So if you have enough of a career to be recognized by those elite snooty uh self-satisfied smug jerks um you know you've certainly done something but um i mean does it validate it you know it, it kind of kills me every year when uh the rock and roll winners and losers are announced and people like uh, not naming names eddie trunk will get these incredible cheap pops from the crowd by going on Twitter and social media under talk shows and going, you know, people hate rock and roll, but I'm here to say that uh, heavy metal's good. And then all their fans go, oh, yeah, that's right. Heavy metal is awesome. You're awesome, Eddie. You're speaking the truth. But you know, I mean, on the I subject of, uh, of bands that have not been inducted but have met the 25-year-after-their-first-release criteria, 
What? No Bloodhound Gang? Ooh, it's a crime. See, there you go. Use your fingers. There it is. Look it up. Bam. That is a crime. So, you know, um, yeah, like, so I, it I, means something, but it doesn't mean anything to yeah, me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I and I kind of had that little rant that I went on actually on your episode about uh, the monkeys not being in the Hall of Fame. And part of it was in jest. But I am, you know, honest in my admiration of them and that I think they should be in the Hall of Fame because it's it's become bullshit. I mean, that's really what it comes down to to me. Not cool enough. No, well, that's the what monkeys aren't cool enough, so they're not in. Yeah, yeah. The the the. But Laura lot, Nairo Nero. Yeah, is yeah. You know, uh, the since they started televising the uh, ceremony, the selections have gotten more and more suspect. Um, you know, you go back and you look at, and and also it's just because we don't have a lot of great artists left <laughs> that aren't already in there. You know. Um, uh, which is one thing I want to kind of discuss, which is, do you have to induct this many people every year? Why don't they just take a year off? Like, eh, we ain't got no one that's good enough. Uh, I mean, I know why money, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, at this point, they've turned it into a maybe empire is too strong a word. But, you know, they have commitments to air the the special and have the climactic jam session with everybody that's been nominated and yada, yada, yada. So, you know, they, they do have an obligation to do a show every year. Yeah. And the votes are still um, not a, not a transparent process. So I would be surprised if there is not a little bit of massaging of the demographics and the inductees to feed that uh, televised spectacle that James so astutely brought up there. I think that's absolutely 100%. So as yeah, there's a, a question as a, uh, as a journalist, did you ever have a vote? You wrote for some stuff for Rolling Stone. They ever toss you a vote? No, I never voted. I never voted. I covered some of the, uh, the, this, that, and the other things the week of, um, I wasn't exactly on the red carpet, but I was there taking notes for some things. Okay. Um, but no, nah, nobody gives a shit what I think. <laughs> okay. So here are the uh, 2021 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees. Uh, in the performer category, we're looking at Tina Turner, Carol King, The Go-Go's, Jay-Z, The Foo Fighters, and Todd Rundgren. Early influence, um, we've got Kraftwerk, Charlie Patton, and Gil Scott Heron. And musical excellence, yeah. which um, used to be the Sidemen uh, category, but they changed it to musical excellence. And I don't even know what that means. Um, actually, I do. I, it honors originality and influence in creating music that has had a dramatic impact on music. Anyway, LL Cool J, Billy Preston, Randy Rhodes, and then the Ahmet Erdogan Award goes to um, Clarence Avant. Um, Randy Rhodes, yeah. Yeah, yeah Randy Rhodes. Um, in um, well, there it all is, isn't it? Ozzy, not in the rock hall. Randy Rhodes is. It's weird, right? It's really weird. What's uh, cool what's Jay. Lemmy's it, quote? Deservedly, about, deservedly. I'm not bagging on Randy Rhodes. Sure. What's Lemmy's like quote about Randy Rhodes? Something to the effect of uh, he was the most improved guitarist after he died. <laughs> James busted out that quote. That was not me, folks. I'm that just quoting awesome. Lemmy. Also, not in the rock hall, but uh, um, but yeah, you know, overall, at, pretty solid class. It's not bad. Um, I look at the LL Cool J thing though, and I'm like, how are you putting him in as musical excellence and not just as a performer? Like, what are you doing? Is that just like them, like, well, we got to get him in here somehow? Like, I don't even understand how that happens. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of like like the Martian winning for best comedy, like, right. 
Like what? Huh? Like LL Cool J is like some kind of like, like you you can qualify what a good front man he is. Yeah. Well, again, back to the politics side of things. There's you know uh, uh, a a well known uh, push to include rappers and and hip hop artists in the hall of fame without some controversy there thereof you know there's right. there's a little bit of pushback on that and including LL Cool J maybe not as an inductee uh uh but as someone they can kind of squeeze in the side door kind of diffuses that that makes sense that makes sense the um here's some of the people who were nominated uh this year who did not uh get in mary j blige kate bush devo iron maiden uh shaka khan by solo fila kuti new york dolls rage against the machine and dion warwick um the yeah that iron maiden snub is is criminal well, it's really funny. Because- no, nah, they know what they did. They, they, their entire career. This is the controversy I was alluding to earlier, and we can drop it immediately because you don't want to hear me talk about this for an hour. I kind of do. Iron Maiden's entire career is reduced by three letter grades for, and not so much for writing and recording "Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner," but for playing it live two fucking tours in a row. During the mid-80s when Thrash was taking off, that's not entertainment. I mean, I understand that people need to pee and buy beer during a concert, but holy fuck. So Iron Maiden, that's why. That cost them votes. That was it. That's what happened. That was it. They do the fan ballot every year and um, let the fans vote. And I don't even understand how this ballot works um, because um, looking at the fan votes and looking at who got in, um, makes no sense. But um, on the fan ballot, number five uh, on votes was the Foo Fighters. Number four was Iron Maiden. Number three was the Go-Go's. Number two was Fila yeah. Kuti. And number one was yeah. Tina Turner. So clearly, yeah. um, they just kind of go with what they want at that point because um, your number two and your number four didn't make your, <laughs> didn't make your Rock Hall inductees. So. Question for you. Is it wrong to not induct Rage Against the Machine at this point? Well, yeah, I would say yes, because of the what we came here to discuss, really, which is the inclusion of the Foo Fighters. I think at this point, it kind of opens a floodgate to there's an argument to be had that every single person should be in the Rock Hall of Fame as long as you had a hit single. I'll let Dave take that one. Let me think of an answer to the question. Like, yeah, they should be in there. It was some of the awesomest shit ever. But including them at this point with their past present future up in the air it doesn't really play into a neat narrative and that is what the uh, the rock and roll hall of fame likes to do like a way i rate what i what i consider to be great bands is whether they had three quote-unquote great albums and did rage really have three great albums one um, two are we counting the cover album no okay <laughs> I mean, un- undoubtedly, the the uh, first album, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Evil Empire, yeah. 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 Uh, third and then album. They broke up. <laughs> <laughs> then they all tragically died in a helicopter accident. That's right. Shame. And they posthumously released the covers album. I, re- I really would like to hear what that Zach solo album was that he was working on with like Quest and stuff. Um, what that really sounded like because it makes me... I, I, he's one of those guys who I really 
think about in the idea of the alternate universe of what if, you know, um, what if he just tried to MC his way? Do you think he could hang um, with like, you know, all, all of the kind of backpack rappers at that time? Cause that's who he was working with. Right. I did a playlist a few months ago of all Zach De La Roca non rage tracks. And I came down with about maybe 12 or 13 of them. And outside of the Rage Against the Machine idiom, he is much less interesting. Yeah. Um, just just hearing him rap against like a, a 808 beat is is just very dull. Uh, he, he doesn't really have the flow or, or whatever you want to call it to pull it off, in my humble opinion. Hearing him against the other three guys in Rage, he's phenomenal. He's spectacular. But just yeah, and, and those guys without him also, for my money, a lot less interesting. Yeah, That's yeah. True. Like Tom Morello, like he Night Watchman, give me a break. Yeah. But, but yeah, Zach minus Rage is is just not as interesting. And, and here, let me Zach. let me tell you why Rage deserves to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I've been saving this for a retrospective that I never got around to writing, so I might as well drop it here. Rage is too iconic, like high watermark performances are this number one it was a performance of complete silence like protesting it was mumio right yeah that was in philly i believe Lollapalooza. right they just came out were their mouths actually taped shut yep yeah they came out mouths taped shut sat down on the stage and did not play naked performance yeah naked thank you thank you not that uh, i remember so- <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that so one performance silence they didn't even play how deconstructive is that how massive is that silence here's the other one in europe playing a festival they literally made a crowd register on the richter scale they literally shook the earth all right and tell me two other bands that have done those two things and for them not to be in the rock and roll hall of fame i mean if the rock and roll hall of fame was about pure awesome yeah they should be in but yeah see but i i would i don't know this for a fact but i would also imagine that getting into the hall of fame is a lot like the oscars or the emmys where there's a lot of campaigning that needs done there's a lot of back scratching a lot of handshakes that need exchanged and uh I, i i can't imagine rage being into that it's really funny, though, because uh, Tom Morello is a voting member of the of the Hall of Fame, and um, he, I believe, was instrumental in getting Kiss inducted. Um, That's right. I heard that. Yeah. So it, it makes me wonder. I, I bet there would be someone who who would argue in his in his name. Right. Well, they have some pretty powerhouse managers, too. Yeah. So, Sign, you know, they wouldn't have to do it made. themselves. Right. Yeah. The, yeah. Someone could make those chess pieces fall into place. Let's, and you know, other, let's just stop talking continue. about the Rock Hall thing. And let's just <laughs> let's drop all pretense and just talk about Rage Against the Machine. Well, I'll say one last thing up. about Rage. The thing that continually blows my mind is that first album came out in 93. Yeah. Is that right? 93. Yeah. Like, what the fuck else sounded like that in 1993? Uh, nothing absolutely nothing as a matter of fact i don't think um i don't think i was ready for it like i remember the first time i heard freedom i was like this is terrible and then i heard uh Mm. killing in the name 
and I was like, oh, okay, I get it. Um, but no, I, you know, I, it, and they're, they're an act that I could even, um, accept being in just not even based off of their music, but their, I mean, if, if for nothing right? else, the guitar solo from bulls on parade. Yes. Yeah. It's as sparked the movement, took the guitar in new places as well. I mean, in addition to being awesome, I mean, there are concrete, tangible musical things they did and cultural. Yeah. yeah. Yo, you don't get to join the E Street Band uh, after the fact just by being a slump, you know? <laughs> Still don't understand how that happened. But so, so who else? So um, so those were, those were the people who were on the, um, the nominee list that didn't get, get in. On the fan ballot, though, and this one cracks me up, um, dead last on the fan ballot was Jay-Z. Uh, so... <laughs> Um, but he is a Jay Z is now a first ballot inductee into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. What are your thoughts on um, before we go any further on hip hop in the Rock Hall of Fame or other genres? Like you know, there was that stink a while a while back when Miles Davis got in. Um, do you think it should be exclusively kind of rock, or is it just now the Music Hall of Fame? Next question. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's. <laughs> I, I suppose that's a semantic point, you know. Yeah. I mean, like for the rap audience, uh, it's it's authentic. It's rooted in their experience, and you know, it's, it's they're not playing guitars. So, yeah. All right, I feel it. I feel it. I have no problem with it because you know, uh, again, I mean, and this goes back to um, I, I I can't pinpoint the date. I tried looking for exactly when I felt this way, but it's all bullshit to me anyway. So I don't understand. I really don't understand when people get upset that somebody like, oh, I can't believe they let him in. He's not a rock guy, and it's like, okay, slow up. You know, like <laughs> I don't, I don't get it. It's it's to me, it's just like a popular music hall of fame. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm, uh, the guy who unapologetically refers to everything as pop music. So, um, yeah, so I have no problem with it. Yeah. I mean, personally, I'm, I'm not a huge Jay-Z fan. Um, but you know, Beastie Boys, like, yeah, that, absolutely. You know, throw the Beastie Boys in there. Yeah. But if Devo's not in, something's very, 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 and, very and that's very, the weird thing, man. It's like there's all of these acts that still that have been eligible for years that still have not got in, like Devo. You know, um, they've kind of course corrected with Kraftwerk, even though they just put them in on the bullshit early influence uh, tag instead of performers, right? Um, it it just there's things that just logically do not make sense, other than it's a TV show that they are producing. That's the only that's the only answer I can come to. And that's it, which kind of brings me to what brought us together here, which is the Foo Fighters are, are rock and roll Hall of Ooh, Fame inductees. More like the Boo Fighters. <laughs> am I right? So the second I read that, I messaged both of you guys and I, I immediately in my head was like, we have to get this on mic and have this conversation. Um, but this this is wrong, right? This is... Like, I, I don't mean like I disagree. I just mean like this is wrong. I, I, I can't think of any other way to explain it. Yeah. I mean, James, what's what's up with your boy, Dave Grohl? Uh, for, for the record, I am neither a, a Foo Fighters fan nor a hater. Um, you know, this this you're saying kinda, you're Foo agnostic. I am Foo agnostic. Uh, it, it does support. Like, I, I think if there's anybody that's really going to lobby to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame at this point, it's probably Dave Grohl. That's that's just who he is. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess and I want to I want to take a moment here and point out that the first person that ever brought uh, Dave Grohl and his Nirvana track to my attention was James. Oh, he's like, well, hey, there's the track where the uh, the drummer sings. Well, let's let's talk about that a little bit, because I kind of feel like that goes that kind of goes to the heart of of your Foo Fighters hate in a way. Uh, the the track he's referring to, if anybody is unaware, is uh, Marigold, which was a B-side to the heart-shaped box single. And uh, it's, In fact, it's let's, a, let's pause this for a second real quick. Yeah. If you had to say on a scale of 1 to 10, James, how big a Nirvana fan are you? I would say I'm like a, a 9.1. Um, I'm not crazy, crazy Nirvana like some people are, but... I, I feel like I have a, a very tasteful, deep appreciation for them. I, I would say like short of being like fanboy or like standing for them. Like I would put you at a 10 because yeah. you know what you're talking about. And the fact that you didn't claim you're a 10 means that you deserve a 10. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. But I mean, you, you, you've always been deep into their, their stuff. You know, you got a lot of alternate cuts of Floyd, the barber. <laughs> yes, I do. Um, so yeah, the, the track Marigold is like this this very cool downbeat kind of ethereal track that uh, was a B-side that the instant anybody heard it, everybody was like, oh, that's really good. So I, I kind of feel that uh, that put Dave Grohl on a pedestal very early on uh, pre-Foo Fighters. And then once Foo Fighters finally did drop, uh, it sounded nothing like that, either sonically or qualitatively. And I, I feel, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like maybe that turned a lot of people, including you, against the Foo Fighters just because Dave Grohl couldn't deliver on the promise of Marigold. No, I didn't like the song that much. You did not? Really? No. More like marigold. Oh, Am I right? Oh, Bam! So, um, and, and then, and I think this is what's funny is, um, so um, with as huge of a Nirvana fan as James is, and as agnostic as he is on the so, Foo Fighters. How would you rate yourself, Nate? That's what I was just going to say. Um, I'm I trying think Nate's to think, the exact opposite. I am. I'm trying to think of a number, but I actually, and that's, this is why this blows my mind, this whole Hall of Fame thing, is uh, I am actually a bigger Foo Fighters fan than I am a Nirvana fan. <laughs> and and, Nate, is, and I had, Nate and I have had many, many arguments about this. A lot, a lot of arguments about this. <laughs> like, if you want to talk about in the in the network, I'll take Hole over Nirvana, I'll take the Foo Fighters over Nirvana. Like, I'm like a cold six on Nirvana. But Kurt Cobain wrote Hole's well then, well then it's good that he finally wrote something enjoyable i Ooh. don't know what it is like Ooh. i just there's something about and and it and it it just petered out over time because like i love bleach bleach is one of my favorite albums of all time all right i love a good part of Nevermind, and i just never got into in utero and i don't know why like something just in my head wouldn't let me enjoy any of those songs and uh so yeah i'm like a hard six Hard six on Nirvana or hard six on Foo Fighters? Hard six on Nirvana. On the Foo okay. Fighters, I'm like uh, seven and a half. Like, I don't even like them that much. It's just I know <laughs> that I like them. I would rather, like, if I had my choice, it would be like, ah, why don't you put a Foo Fighters song on? Dave, where would you rate yourself on uh, on Nirvana? I would, you know, like, I'm not going to, I don't want to offend the fans and say that, like, I'm down and I haven't read nearly as many books about you, but they were super important to me. 
Uh, and I listened to him a lot through the 90s after, you know, the late great Kurt passed. Uh, Kurt Cobain dying was one of those, like, where were you moments. Um, so I would put myself at a at a seven just for the, the lack of uh, affirma that I have around me. But they were really super important to me. And I never got over Kurt Cobain's de- death. Um, I didn't go to Lollapalooza that year. The Beastie Boys were playing and I was like, no, nah, fuck it. I, I don't care. Nothing means anything. Life is pointless. Oh, man. And, you know, obviously that was maybe not the right call in retro. <laughs> yeah. But the Beastie Boys were going to tour every year for the next 30 years, right? Oh, God. So, yeah. It, like, I'm hands up if you had tickets for the uh, Beasties Rage Against the Machine tour. Oof. So, yeah, seven-ish, maybe eight-ish. Yeah. I mean, like, and, and, and I don't want my hard six to come across as, like, I'm a Nirvana hater. I'm a Kurt hater. No, uh, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, um, like I appreciate Nirvana. I do. And um, I I would never try to take away from everything that they do. You know what my because uh, it sounds like you're doing exactly that, Nate. I know. But here's the reason why. And, and, and I, ha- I haven't um, really um, built this out yet, but I've always had this theory in my head that Kurt Cobain killed the guitar solo. And I am a big guitar solo guy. So like the fact that uh, in my head, he made guitar solos bullshit in other people's minds um, is like a strike against him. Does that make sense? He he really didn't though. He has solos all over the place. Yeah, but admittedly, they're very, they're unimaginative. They mostly just follow the vocal melody. Yeah. But he's, he's got guitar solos. He solos like uh, Billy Joe from Green Day solos. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I say that as, you know, uh, that's another act in the Hall of Fame that I just don't understand. I, I have a list here that I call Dave Grohl's offenses, dubious distinctions, slights, and superlatives, real and imagined. It has a list of 16 things that I think, believe, and know in my heart. So number 16 is, I want to say that normally when I am arguing about art, I will say, hey, they made something, if it's a song or a movie or a book, and now we are talking about it. So it is effective art, and they win, and it's good, and it works. Normally. Normally. Not today. Not today, because we're not talking about Dave Grohl and his decaffeinated bullshit rock and roll. We're talking about the Foo Fighters and why I can't fucking escape those guys. So that's point number 16 of 16. And a very good point. Like, it, 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 it isn't, right? This isn't about the Foo Fighters at all. This is about Dave Grohl, right? Well, it's partially. Number 15, I will concede. <laughs> My major problem with Dave Grohl is that, uh, you know, it's an emotional thing with me. It's a personal thing. Dave Grohl is alive and Kurt Cobain is not. Mm-hmm. And that is the beginning and the end of it for me. Uh, we have, we'll say, we'll say five proper Nirvana albums. Um, and we have 25 years of the fucking Foo Fighters. <sighs> Life so is I, not fair, one suspects. That one's See, under uh, real, right? Th- this plays into my Foo Fighters agnosticism. Have I ever told you about my concept of the, uh, 
life pat lifetime pass. I don't think so. Elucidate. So, so, so my theory of the lifetime pass is they if somebody be. in a previous life did something that was so great that it overrides all the terrible stuff they did afterwards, kind of plays into the high fidelity thing. Mm-hmm. But for me, Dave Grohl will get a lifetime pass for anything he did after Nirvana just because he was in Nirvana. Hmm. Okay. You know, other people that have received it, uh, Nicholas Cage, he yes. did Raising Arizona. For that alone, <laughs> he receives a lifetime pass. He can do as many bad direct-to-iTunes movies as he wants from now on. He will always get my dap because he was in Raising Arizona. Red <laughs> Hot Chili Peppers, they used to have a lifetime pass. I'm thinking of revoking it. Just, I don't know if they, they really deserve it. But Mother's man, Milk, though. Mother's Milk, Blood Sugar Sex Magic, One Hot Minute even. I mean, yes, yeah, underrated album. I can't yeah. think of an act that I have fallen so out of love with as much as the Chili Peppers. Like, uh, I guess from the peak of where I had them to where I am now. Um, I can't think of another act um, because that that early stuff is just so incredibly good. And then um, I guess drugs disappeared. I don't know. Like, I, I just. Well, as I say all the time, which is worse, which is worse, like a band that makes the same album over and over and over again or a band that refuses to. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes the answer is either one. Yeah, I mean, I, I would lean towards the refuses to, but only because of the existence of ACDC, um, who somehow continues to put out the same album, but it rocks. So, so, so to not. be clear, like, I don't want Dave Grohl to die. I just don't want to hear about him. Don't you? Not this year. <laughs> never. Not, it, not when I turn on a uh, spoiler here. He's in a lot of rock documentaries. I get tired of that, too. Yeah. See, the, the one thing I give Dave Grohl credit for is he is maybe the last rock and roll star to really hustle. Like anytime there's a new Foo Fighter album that drops, he's out there, he's selling it, he's on Stern, he's making the rounds, he's doing uh he's doing that show on HBO, uh, he's doing Sound City, he's doing something that is pushing it actively. And you you don't see that kind of hustle anymore. You don't see anybody really out there pushing it anymore. Yeah, and, but you know what? Some yeah, motherfuckers I, I get kinda, I are get here kinda... to ahead. make friends. And Dave Grohl is here to make friends. And if you're here to make friends, I don't know what to do with a fellow like you. Now, Sweet 75, on the other hand, <laughs> I, got, I got nothing besides that. That's all I got. So that was number 15? Yeah. Uh, what number what, number yeah. 14 he played with queens of the stone age <laughs> recorded with queens of the stone age rock and roll phenomenon to some degree <laughs> certainly has some uh has some authentic uh grassroots uh you know a band with uh you know, some credibility you know uh to that i have two points number one who gives a fuck number two i do not give a fuck <laughs> point number 14 I mean, they're supposed to be good. I keep hearing they're good. But you know, you know who's better than Josh from Queens of the Stone Age? The other dudes from Caius. <laughs> Moving along, number there 13, Courtney Love once denounced Dave Grohl by saying that in high school, 
he was the kind of guy that was a soccer player, if not a soccer player. I forget exactly. And while there is nothing essentially wrong with being a soccer player, there it is. See, but Dave Grohl also has the all-time best Courtney Love diss. When he was on Howard Stern, he asked Dave Grohl what he thought, uh, what Courtney Love's best song was. And he goes, Teenage Whore, because I know she wrote that one. Ooh. Wow. Well, douche, which works on many le- levels. Many levels. Oof. Number 13. Number-, <laughs> number 13. Yeah, Dave Grohl played for hardcore also Rand's Void and whoever. Uh, Dave Grohl does have more hardcore credibility than I ever will. Uh, to that, I retort, I do not give a fuck. Discuss. He uh, he also played in that hardcore band uh, with uh, Fred Armisen oh, in that SNL sketch, oh. and that was fun, right? Do where, where the mic did <laughs> right? not work? You got to credit just that like one. at a real punk show. And yeah, I yeah. will. I guess he made that possible because that sketch never would have aired if not for Girl's presence on the show, and that is hilarious. So. Maybe I'll reevaluate by the end of this well, show. Let's take a deep dive into Dave Grohl. Uh, are either of you familiar with the Pocket Watch demos tape? No. No. So this was a demo tape he put out pre-Foo Fighters. I'm not sure if it... I, I think it was post-In Utero, post-Kurt Suicide, but pre-Foo Fighters. It is available on YouTube. Just do Dave Grohl Pocket Watch. And uh, just like the first Foo Fighter album... It is a collection of songs where he played all the instruments, recorded it himself, and it is, eh, it is okay. Uh, What's it sound like? Uh, like pick a genre. At, at its best, it sounds kind of like some DC post-punk a la Fugazi. Um, at its worst, it sounds like middling 90s alternative, kind of like the Foo Fighters. Don't you feel like that kind of uh, sums up Dave Grohl in a nutshell. I mean, yeah, like, I mean, they Foo Fighters, they, their singles are all great. I mean, every time they put out a single, it's like fucking A, this, this sounds good. You know, Monkey Wrench, great single. Uh, this is a call, great single. Uh, Rope, great single. But you go back and you listen to like the rest of the album and the rest of the album is just forgettable. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not even saying it's bad, but there's just like nothing that really sticks out. But man, every album, they have like those one or two great singles well like art is batting in baseball you know if as an artist you can go if you can consistently go three for ten maybe two and a half for ten that's a hall of fame career you know and and in music you know famously if you can have one decent song per album that's a career right there so um you know i i want to hate dave Grohl for the right reasons (laughs) It's weird, though, and because if I he only like, has a couple good songs per album, eh, that's better than most. I'll concede that. Yeah, yeah, because I feel like you just made the case for the Foo Fighters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys are making me defend the Foo Fighters. I mean, Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, defend your boy. What's up with that? Well, well you know, number you know 12. What? His, you, you know what, though? His mom is from Pittsburgh. So there's How did that. I not know this? I didn't know that until I saw them play live and Dave Grohl was like, Hey, Pittsburgh, my mom's from Pittsburgh. And everybody in Pittsburgh was like, yeah, he probably does that every, 
do we know this for a fact though or does hey, he go to philly and he's like yeah parks. my mom's from philly do you really want me to answer that yes it's like five times I think. oh jesus <laughs> i wish i had seen nirvana five times look they were at like four festivals i went to and then one time i went to see just them okay so it's not my fault and even that so show, number 12 yeah it is overlong unnecessary hbo documentary series dave grohl's uh what what was it american something you know what i'm talking about i can't remember the name of the series i can't remember but i know what you're talking about yeah exactly there is a quick flash where the band are playing in new orleans and dave grohl was on stage and he for a moment slips into this louis armstrong satchmo voice i mean he's playing in new orleans birthplace of jazz hallowed ground and he's up on stage talking like fat albert he goes we're just shucking and jiving and jamming (laughs) some shit like that and you know i i he's not doing it to mock anybody racially but he's that's who he is he's co-opting some shit right there he is a fucking clown shoe okay okay number 11 Number 11, do I have to see this guy in every fucking music documentary I watch? For Christ's sakes. What, did the director do something to piss off Henry Rollins and you had to get somebody else? Go, give it a rest. Here's the question. It goes Henry Rollins, Ian McCabe, and Dave Grohl. And then then if it's R&B or hip-hop, it's Questlove. Yeah. Number 10, to to quote the great Chaz Paul Monteri, and I might be paraphrasing here. Dave Grohl, Nate, that's what you're upset about? Dave Grohl? Dave Grohl makes millions of dollars a year. How much does your father make? If your father can't pay the rent, go ask Dave Grohl and see what he tells you. Dave Grohl doesn't care about you, Nate. Why should Dave Grohl would pay the rent? Nobody (laughs) cares. I think if you asked him. He would want to be my friend, so he probably would pay the rent. (laughs) Number nine, Everlong. Uh, maybe an iconic song of the 90s. You know, that that version that he played acoustic on Stern certainly has a lot of traction. I mean, how do you guys rank that? Um, so, uh, first of all, I never really liked that song, but it was whatever. I was like, it, it was just like another song in the 90s. But now I absolutely love that song and it has nothing to do with the song itself. And it has to do with, I saw the Foo Fighters and Weezer. Um uh, at an arena show and all yeah let's talk about weezer now <laughs> we don't have enough time to talk about Weezer. <laughs> we'll have to circle back and do a weezer four part. hours later <laughs> um but the entire show there was this drunk guy sitting like two rows in front of me and he kept screaming at dave grohl throughout the entire show play fucking everlong that's all he's the entire show just screaming play fucking everlong so then dave does this thing where uh i think it was right before the uh encore um, or during the encore comes out into the middle of the arena into a small stage and a spotlight comes down and he starts talking about his wife and how much he loves his wife. And this guy screams at the top of his lungs in a silent arena, fuck your fucking wife, hardcore play ever long. <laughs> and it is the greatest concert moment I have ever experienced <laughs> because he then played ever long. <laughs> so, so. I have a very, very weird relationship with the song Everlong, but I love it. 
you're, you're not wrong by being entertained by that. I really can. <laughs> but as a song, it, it's no my hero, you know? James? Everlong does nothing for me. Um, it's not one of those Foo Fighter tracks that I have any kind of love for. See, here's my thing about Everlong. Who gives a fuck? Number eight, to paraphrase Tom Hanks, there is no smiling in metal. So it's really funny that this is one of your bullet points because watching Dave Grohl perform live um, the few times that I've seen them, um, I find it kind of endearing how happy he is, but mostly because to me, it's a look as if he's saying, I know I shouldn't fucking be here. Like, and he is amazed. That That's how I will choose to interpret it from now on. Like, watch it, watch it, especially when he's doing live shows. He literally looks like I cannot, like, I should at least be back here behind the drums. Uh, like, what, what, what kind of twisted deviant wants to have fun and enjoy himself? I don't trust that <laughs> shit. Those are the kind you have to keep an eye on. Yeah. Number seven, to quote the Beastie Boys, in reference to the Foo Fighters, I mean, this is me applying the Beastie Boys quote. They didn't write this about him, but they were probably thinking of dudes like Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters. You think it's chocolate milk, but it's watered down Yoo-Hoo. And that's what the Foo Fighters is. It's not edgy, dangerous, authentic rock and roll. It's some dude that used to be in Nirvana. That was a band that had some real fucking teeth, which the Foo Fighters don't. See, but is it supposed to? I mean, I, I kind of feel like the obvious analog here is Ringo in the Beatles. And if you heard, like, Don't Pass Me By on the White Album, you were like, all right, that's a solid tune. Maybe Ringo could could uh, kick out some jams. And, uh, you know, it's like afterwards you get angry that he never wrote something or some shit like that, you know? And Dave Grohl is never going to be Well, you see, here's the... Sorry, go ahead. No, Dave Grohl is never going to be Kurt Cobain. You know, he's never going to be the the great songwriter, but he's always going to be the guy who was in Nirvana with a great songwriter. Yeah, I think that's true. But but, you know, and it's funny because that's actually a point I was going to bring up, which is, you know, Ringo is in the Hall of Fame as a solo performer and he's yet another one. Um, now, oh, wait, now, hold on. I think he is a musical excellence winner. Um, <laughs> but anyway, but the Him point and is, cool J. yeah, that's right. But the point is yet another guy who like, yeah, I'm not trying to take away from everything you've accomplished, but Hall of Fame, like you're in the Hall of Fame for being in the Beatles. So why did we give him another award? Dave Grohl is in the Hall of Fame for being in Nirvana and Pretty much for being Dave Grohl, right? So why does he need this other award for the Foo Fighters? It makes no sense to me. Well, you see, here's the thing. Like, number six. This, this, give me a second. I'm going to tie this in. Yeah. Number six. The biggest tool that I ever worked with in the music journalism business. The mofo who most used music as a lifestyle accessory to show off and preen and prance about in this person just loved the foo fighters the foos are music for people like him who in their heart of hearts cannot handle nirvana and all of their abrasive edginess this same motherfucker was so geeked 
when Lemmy made an appearance on some Foo Fighters album. Like, dude, you don't like Motorhead. To you, Lemmy is a signifier. Lemmy mm-hmm. is a fucking, is you wearing a battle patch of a band that you don't even listen to? Fuck off. You and Dave Grohl are fucking clown shoes. Now, to tie this in with the previous point, life will always reward a shitty, watered-down, toothless version of whatever the fuck used to be good. Metallica, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, that shit show the kids like called Paramore. All you got to do is smile and play nice and be groovy and hold hands and go, yeah, I know I was edgy, but now it's let's just relax and have some fun. Keep it positive and people will love your ass. Fuck that. All right. All right. But here's the thing to go back to uh, to Chaz Palamentary in a Bronx tale. You paid 20 bucks and he's out of your life forever. What the fuck do you care? Mm. Why do you you still care about Dave Grohl? Because every time I turn on a music documentary, I got to hear about them. I still, I'm trying to quit Twitter. I am because it's a cesspool, but I still spend too much time on Twitter. And every year, there's always some Dave Grohl shit there. So I would love to not have him in my life. It's, uh, it, it is to me like, um, um, this is what I think about when I think about the Foo Fighters. And it is, uh, Stephen Colbert was interviewing Paul McCartney. And he asked Paul McCartney, he said, have you ever, um, did you guys ever think about doing another Beatles um, performance, you know, after, uh, after breaking up and after uh, John uh, was murdered? And he said, no, because I would look to my right and John wouldn't be there. And which is an awesome quote. But then he dot, dot, dot. It's the same thing if we did Wings and Linda wasn't there. And I was like, it is not the fucking same thing at all, <laughs> sir. Like, I understand you love your wife, and I respect that. But do not dare say that it is the same thing as John Lennon not being at your right side. And that's kind of how I feel about the Foo Fighters, right? Like, like I like wings. I fucking like wings. Who doesn't like oh. wings? Jet's a fucking banger, right? Um, but but it, it, I'm, I'm not trying to put Melvin's wings. covered Jet. Did they really? Yeah. I, I saw uh, I saw Ween cover Band on the Run live. Nice. <laughs> you said Ween. I did. Dave um, Grohl does a great Band on the Run. Uh- <laughs> See, but not not to keep going back to the Beatles metaphor, but I mean, again, like Wings, like yeah, they got some some decent jams, but are they as good as the Beatles? No, absolutely not. But you know, why hold that against Paul McCartney? Um, William Campbell, you mean? Yeah. (laughs) Number five, Dave Grohl is a two-time Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee. Uh, To that, I retort, so what? Yeah. He's he's, uh, one of three in this class. Um, Tina Turner in previously for Ike and Tina, and uh, Carol King in as a songwriter. So number four, Grohl drummed for Killing Joke, one of the best bands ever. He played drums for free, for free, on their self-titled 2002 album, which apparently uh, was was him returning the favor for uh, Nirvana lifting uh, Killing Joke's 80s. For, I was just I was just gonna bring that up. Yeah. They, so uh, so he drummed for Killing Joke, one of the best bands ever. After he stole their shit, or maybe Kurt did, but we'll blame it on Dave. 
So yeah, to, the uh, the I forget the name of the Killing Joke song, but uh, the the riff from Come As You Are and the Killing yeah, Joke riff, 80s. very very similar. So mm-hmm. to to that, my retort is uh, my response or counterpoint is Killing Joke was a band for twenty three years before that. So who gives a shit? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm sensing a theme. <laughs> You mentioned wings. You yes. mentioned wings. That's a that's a good dovetail into uh into number uh three here. Uh the Foo Fighters are what they used to call soft rock in the 70s. That's what they used to call shit music like the Eagles in bands that were not as hardcore as the Eagles. Poco, for example. Wings. But there's not much sonic relation there. Yeah, but it's still it's soft rock. It's soft rock. There's better shit going on. See, even, these guys are. But even Dave Grohl has described Foo Fighters as dad rock. You know, he is under no illusion that what he is doing is anything other than like middle of the road, you know, alternative rock for the, you know, modern rock fan, whoever they may still be today. But is that is that some sort of self-deprecating like crutch to hide behind? into not trying to make better music see I, I don't think it is i mean here's a guy who's you know he's he's got the the bona fides you know he's from the dc punk scene in like the early to mid 80s you know he is under no illusion that what he is doing is like the most real intense music ever you know it's, he's, it's, he's it's out there fun. he's enjoying you know, himself. rock and roll is not fun it's not dangerous you know most of the music that i like is played by people that i would not be comfortable having unattended and unsupervised and unwatched in my living room and dave Grohl's not that dude there's nothing dangerous about that guy dave Grohl's Maybe helping your wife, wife wants watch to beat my ass but i don't think i matter that much what are we up to number number four so now this is, we're we're wrapping it up here. We're bringing it home. So we talked about soft rock, and here's why this is really bad. You know what's wrong with that? I'll tell you what's wrong with that. Ironically, one of the signature signature hits of '70s soft rock is Jerry Rafferty's song "Baker Street," as recently heard in the Rick and Morty television show, for example. Uh, you might not know that. Listen to this. That song. You know yeah. that song? Yeah. Okay, so that is Baker Street. Uh I like the song. I like the song. Probably the ballsiest uh I mean it's it's has a lot going for it. It's it's uh well, I mean, that song, my point here is that the Foo Fighters covered that song. They covered it and they ditched that iconic saxophone part, which is pretty much the entire hook of the song. Well, that in the song's dripping existential misery. <laughs> but in covering this song, they flinched. They flinched. They dropped the, the sax solo, maybe like the most iconic sax solo of the decade. Certainly a top 10 one ever, or, or a hook, rather, sax yeah. part. The Foo Fighters covered this song. They didn't have the heart to commit to it, so they just turned it into some sort of throwaway B-side track. Took a classic song, and they gutted it, 
and they shat it out and then they shat on it some more. And I, I can see why that's number two. Artistically gutless turds. <laughs> they didn't have the balls to use the saxophone or they couldn't figure out a way. Yeah. They wanted to kind of play the song, but not make people think they weren't cool, you know? You know, that's a, it's a topic for another podcast, but I've, I've wanted to trace why we stopped using the saxophone in rock music because it was, <laughs> it, was, it was so everywhere for decades. And then oh, some, I, I want to be on that and I want to do some research. Like we'll find some people because that's figured a out. I, like, I will send you my, uh, my saxophone playlist. I like it. That has some good sax jams. Good, good. Yeah. But yeah. So, so number one, here's, here's what brings it home for me, right? For Dave Grohl's ProBot album, James, to your point, and ProBot, you know, f- I'm sure if you're listening to this, well, if you like Dave Grohl this much, you probably turned it off. 14 points ago <laughs> yeah. these guys are assholes but probot was an all-star metal project released in 2004 by a very good label that should have known better but they gotta eat you know i understand that you know make your money guys uh dave Grohl wrote songs for all kinds of people uh who in, who accepted the invitations eric from trouble snake from voivod uh chronos from venom Wino, uh, Lemmy from the obs- <laughs> Lemmy, Lemmy from the Obsessed, the iconic Lemmy. All those guys accepted Dave's invitation and went to his party and recorded songs with him. Follow me so far? We're on it. Kurt from DRI, God Among Gods, accepted his invitation. You know who turned down the invitation from from our boy? Uh, Dave Grohl's Tom Araya from Slayer. He said, no, you know what? I heard the song. I'm not going to sing on that shit. So there it goes. Dave Grohl is not cool enough for Slayer and he's not cool enough for me. See, but what, uh, what, what era of Slayer album is that? It was after God hates us all. And, uh, before Christ illusion, so where does that rank in the Slayer Pantheon? I mean, Slayer is Slayer, you know? <laughs> They're not on the Stern show goofing off. Tom Mariah is not in uh, New Orleans going, hey, everybody, it's good old Tom Mariah band. <laughs> so, and, yeah. And he would have committed not to Not cool enough for Slayer, not cool enough for me. It makes sense. That makes sense. I, I You know, and you said uh, real or imagined, and I think... 98% of those were real. We're really how you feel. <laughs> I will concede that several of these points uh, might be uh, based in dubious rhetoric, uh, willful interpretations of facts. Some of them may be borderline psychotic. Um, really, with the I just can't get over him being alive when, uh, when Kurt is not. Yeah. Sorry, you're a scapegoat, pal. It's fine. See, I, I see not, not that it excuses any of it, but also weigh that against the post-Nirvana musical output of Chris Novoselic, who did uh, Sweet 75 and Eyes Adrift and the No WTO combo with Jello Biafra. And uh, all of a sudden, Foo Fighters starts to look a little bit better. But, you know, uh, and, you're not, and I, you're I, not I, wrong. Yeah, I definitely um, do think that Dave Grohl 
may on this podcast have gotten shit on more than he should have. But I think it's just the wild swing from he's they just inducted them into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I mean, I really like like I said, I, I consider myself more of a fan of the Foo Fighters than Nirvana. Yet for some reason, it just does not sit right in my stomach. I don't know. And I guess maybe the scary thing about it to me is the fact that we're almost out of rock people like like contemporary rock people are almost gone right like what's jack white and then who like what what are they gonna do paramore here they come <laughs> but you know what i'm saying like it, it's almost like a, a like a mortality kind of thing to me in that you got, like, you got days of the new <laughs> you got stain coming up but like i i'm really starting to feel like you know everybody always jokes oh rock is dead da, 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 da. but now like i'm like oh shit it might be dead we <laughs> like oh god this might be it you know they, they, that's what scares me the most about the foo fighters being inducted is that like because when you think about it i mean who else who well, else yeah, you, using using the hall of fame 25 years since their first release criteria like who who who's left at that point? Going back to '96 at this point, like uh, Limp Biscuit, right? <laughs> um, and and I don't say that facetiously. I'm just trying to think of like who was big in in the world of rock since like '95, '96. Well, Nate, who um, does this open up the door for? Like Strokes dropped in like 2001. And, and I'm sorry, Nate was saying this before. This was yeah. not my idea. This. This we scares me before. that this that this opens up the door. We're going to have to have the Weezer discussion. We're going to have to talk about Weezer because they're probably going to get in. Though I think they are eligible. Right, twenty-five years. Yeah, that yeah. First so, album dropped in like ninety-four. Yeah, it sounds about. How right. are they not in yet? You know, they must be saving them. Maybe, maybe they're I, waiting I for a good album. I don't know. Like. <laughs> Nate, I know I hit you up with this on text, Dave. I don't know if I did with you or not, but Weezer now have 15 studio albums. No, that's impossible. Of, of that's original, clearly wrong. Of original material. If you include the covers album, it's 16. Up until the Teal album, and I think including the Teal album maybe, I have a spreadsheet that I made of every song on every album and the writing credits. And... um uh, spoiler alert for my future Weezer article, but um, Rivers allowing other songwriters is what killed this band. Um, and I'm not even and and, and like there were songs that w I found that w I don't love, but they're forgivable. But when they started making just straight bullshit, it's all other songwriters inv invited in. And um, uh, I, I don't know. I don't See, know. Well, I mean, Weezer, Weezer that... similar to Foo Fighters always have that like really good first single off the album well maybe not really yeah. good but like that that one single off their album where you're like all right all right this this isn't terrible and you check out the rest of the album and you're like ah fuck you rivers you did yeah, it again you, you fucking got me again yep exactly every time so who does this open the, the door for who do you think besides weezer um i mean like we're gonna start i, I just feel like oh god and i and it, it like 
what what year did that John Mayer album come out from? Like, I, I none of this seems like good to me. Like, it, it I can't think of anybody good that it opens the door for, right? Well, I'll, I'll tell you who it opens the the floodgates for. If we're talking like nineties, okay. Here's short list. If Foo Fighters are in the Rock Hall, I think they should also welcome in Fastbacks, Crash Test Dummies. Certainly should be in there if Foo Fighters are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Counting Crows. Yeah, oh yeah, Counting Crows, certainly. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. first ballot, first ballot. Yeah, it's uh, a friend of mine on, uh, I, I don't want to say his real name, but a friend of mine on Twitter, one of my Twitter pals, uh, he also makes the astute point in music history that uh, it's such a shame that Counting Crows died uh, after the second album. Uh, it was a plane crash. I thought they died after the first one. Uh, no, second album. Second album. Uh, that's why it's so uneven. It wasn't quite finished. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was It was like uh, sketches so it from also, My Sweetheart the Drunk. Gotcha. Exactly. <laughs> this is a guy who gets it. <laughs> so, so if the Rock and... If Foo Fighters are in the Rock Hall, that opens the door. Did I say Rembrandts yet? No, but... That's, yeah, the Rembrandts? Yeah. Uh, and three more. You got the primitive radio gods <laughs> follows naturally. Jewel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cer- certainly similarly hard hitting band is the Foo Fighters, Jewel. And, and you interviewed uh, Jewel on this podcast. Oh, I did. You did. Not there on this podcast, but was she cool? She was too cool. Um, nice. a little too cool. Uh, like off putting. It was like one of those I, I expected something completely different, and she was really cool. Huh. Yeah. Well, as a guy who was a big a fan of the Lilith Fair generation, although I did not enjoy her set uh, at the the show, uh, that's good to hear. Yeah. It makes me reevaluate some things. So, but. But also, last one, Jamiroquai. Oh, well, that's a first. Foo Fighters are in, so should that dude be. Um, but, was it a dude know, or a hat? I forget. <laughs> this is definitely the hat. The um, but but that I mean that floodgate question. I mean like but and then I try to think of like who from that era like really deserves to be in there, and then it gets to be really slim pickings. Like I would say Tori Amos, right? We could put Tori Amos in there, though. If Kate Bush isn't in there, I guess Tori Amos better fucking sit her ass down and wait. But yeah, but if Laura Nairo's in, right. <laughs> But, you know, I, I'm just, like I said, I'm just really sad that this this is the thing that, that made me realize <laughs> that, that there's no rock music. <laughs> it's over. It's so sad. Yeah. I mean, Smashing after, pumpkins after the late, aren't in, are they? Uh, th- I don't believe they are. Neither Soundgarden, neither is Alice in Chains. I mean, there's people that could be in. I don't is, like. I don't know what they're doing. And is the Pearl Jam in there? Foo Fighters are in before all those dudes. Uh, Pearl Jam is, is in, yes. Okay, but yeah, the Foo Fighters are in, and Alice in Chains aren't. Like, get out of here! Like, get out of here! It it doesn't. It like I don't. I don't get. It, Did Alice in Chains have three great albums? Yeah. One. Are we counting two, like does Sap? Does Sap count half. as an album? Which one? Sap. No, that's an EP. Does, what does about Mad two and does, two EPs count? That counts as three, surely. <laughs> right. I think so. I'm counting it. No, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, uh, it, it's, 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 a very, it's a very weird thing, this Rock Hall of Fame, because 
it, it's one of those things where, it, it, you know, the old uh, I never wanted to be a part of a club that would have me as a member. Like, I think the Hall of Fame's stupid. But then I get angry every year at the people they put in it. I, it makes no sense. Well, like like I was like I was alluding to earlier, you know, you start hitting like the early two thousands, and and who is there? You know, there's the Strokes, there's the White Stripes, there's the Yeah Yeah Yes, um, but like, who am I missing? Like, you know, and Beck, Beck, Beck. Um, is eligible, um, uh, but should Beck be in there? Uh, Midnight Vultures, really good album. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Just- yeah, if the Foo Fighters are in there, yeah, goddammit, right, Beck should be in there. What am I doing? Yes. You know, it makes no sense. Harry Nielsen is not in the fucking Hall of Fame, but the Foo Fighters are. I what don't about, understand. I'm, I'm sitting here in my basement looking at my uh, CD shelf from the 90s. What about Korn? Um, should Korn be in there? They will be. <laughs> it's just so sad. It's so sad that I can't I can't even think of people like, can you think of someone that you legitimately think they should be in the Hall of Fame that came out post the 25 year cutoff? I mean, uh, there's Bloodhound Gang. There's two skinny J's. There's Grand Buffet. Yeah. Yeah. Grand Buffet. Grand Buffet. Mm -hmm. They should be in there. Which kind of goes back to my hip hop point, which is they better start to pivot because if they don't, they are out of people. They're, I mean, they're out. Like, you know, and and I do love that the Hall of Fame always tries to get like somebody in there that they're like, no, we're cool. See, we know what we're doing, right? Um, do you think the roots will get in just based off of um, how ubiquitous Questlove is? That is how I mean. Like all respect to Questlove, right? Um, that, and that's how it works. And actually, you know what? I would even go as far as to say that I believe they should be in for just the uh, Electric Ladyland Neo Soul explosion of you know um, the Roots, Bilal, Common, Black Star, Erica Badu, everybody that was recording at that time. That whole scene, like I've kind of been revisiting that whole Soulquarian thing. Um, Jay Dilla working in there as well. Um, I've been revisiting that whole period and I can't believe that it was just like a two year thing and that it didn't and that, and that egos got in the way and that everybody went their own way. It is so sad to me, uh, you know, the quality of music. Uh, D'Angelo. Well, uh, I'm going to guess that music critics are going to make D'Angelo a first ballot Hall of Famer. And I don't think he should be. I think he could have been had he, um, you know, continued to make music um, on the trajectory of brown sugar to voodoo. Um, but then disappearing for 10 years, he like, in my eyes, killed his own chances of being in there. Um but I don't know, like without that, without that pivot to hip hop and R&B, uh, I don't. You know, I, I think what we're going to see is a lot of the, the warp Tour alternative press bands. And, you know, full disclosure, I wrote for alternative press for a lot of years, uh, even though I, I wasn't really you know, tight with a lot of those bands. But I think you're going to see people like against me, mm-hmm. certainly uh, my chemical romance. Inevitable. Yeah. Inevitable. Yeah. Um, oh, Afghan wigs. Afghan wigs is, you know, a classic, like, are they cool enough to be in? Like, they're maybe too cool to be in. That's a band that, that 
I would vote for. Yeah, they're fucking awesome. Um, I, 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 I dread where this might, um, might head as it might. You're going to you say know. Bush, aren't you? No, no, I'm not. Um, but I'm, I, I dread where it might head because it might end friendships. Um, but uh, we're putting Wilco in there, right? Up to which album? <laughs> you dick. I don't rate them at all. I mean, we're uh, we're stopping with uh, Anodyne, right? Yeah. <laughs> crumbs, crumbs, you crumb bum. Um, tool, I could see um, somehow finding their way in there you know i don't i don't know if they would politic like i think that would be one of those like maybe behind the scenes they would contrive it to look like like they were dragged in against their will but yeah those guys aren't those guys aren't dummies either it's true it's definitely true fun loving criminals Absolutely. should be should should be we uh we should get them on this show <laughs> fucking they're a, not doing go. anything right we could we should going. do our own hall of fame <laughs> hey they're huge in ireland <laughs> i don't to doubt this that. day i don't doubt that yeah um you know you said afghan wigs and i don't know why i completely forgot this the goddamn foo fighters are in the rock and roll hall of fame and the pixies are not okay oh, there like, you go the pixies like wh- i don't understand what we're doing it doesn't make any sense like and also why are you making dave Grohl be the guy who gets inducted don't you want him to be the guy who does the induction like d- talks bullshit that you know we just spent a, a podcast talking about that you hate um <laughs> when he does but isn't that his role his role is to be the guy who says oh i've listened to these guys since forever right you got him on the wrong side of the mic <laughs> So, so in in the tone that uh, Banky Edwards, or in the tone that the guy calls Banky a fucking tracer, yeah, I'm gonna say about Dave Grohl, you fucking curator. It's it, it, 100% factual though. So that's what I think about the Foo Fighters, and I think I'm right. It's just so puzzling to me. I am really confused, and I and and, and I don't know that I'm any less confused than I was uh, entering this conversation. Um, how this happened. Um, Flaming lips are probably a shoe in there at some point. Yeah, I would see that. I would see that. I feel like there's someone huge that we're missing. Oh, they're going to fucking put Coldplay in there, I'm sure. Right? I didn't say they deserve to be in there. I'm just saying they're going to put them in there. They just put the Foo Fighters Yeah, that'll happen. Yeah. It's frustrating. It's very frustrating. Gentlemen, you got anything to plug? I have a series of comic strips about exactly this. I'll send you a link to it. Yeah, okay, yeah. And just, I'll uh, link it to the uh, I'll link it to the the stuff. Then a suburban metal dad at length lamenting the ongoing success of the Foo Fighters. And you know, I for many bands like Metallica haven't been important to me since their third album or the EP after it. But you know, for those guys, I think. The guys that made those early records deserve the entire world. Like, okay, I don't care about your music anymore. I'm not yeah. going to go out of my way to trash it. It's not for me. But, hey, you made those first three records. You can have it all. You get it. You, you're getting what you deserve. See, that's what I was saying about the Lifetime Pass. You know, Dave Grohl, never mind. In utero. Unplugged. Like, yeah, but he's right, in dude, for go this. go write go write twenty five years of of meh music. I don't care. You gave me those, gave me those albums. You get a pass. 
I want to talk real quick about Dave Grohl's songwriter, um, though, um, which is uh, when I saw Weezer and the Foo Fighters, Weezer was the opening act, and um, which still confuses me and I guess makes sense, but I don't really, I guess they yeah, what is the, What is the correct order there? I don't know. Like, uh, <laughs> but it's, it, it made sense, I guess, that they went first. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but they did a cover of Big Me, and Big Me is a great fucking Weezer song. <laughs> it's it's one of my least favorite songs ever. But coming out of Rivers Cuomo's mouth, it made so much sense. And then it made me realize that like Dave Grohl is just putting on other people's skin when he writes these songs, right? And I think that's what bothers me about this Hall of Fame thing is it, 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 I get I guess I get it. I just don't understand it. I don't Radiohead, are they in the Hall of Fame? Uh, no, but they should be. They'll they'll go in, right? Because their, their first disc was what ninety four as well. Yeah, that sounds about right. Creep. Uh, no, you know what? When did um, when did oh Oasis? Right, we're gonna get them. Oasis. There, we're you gonna go. have a big fight on stage. They were, with those they were ninety four. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So I guess it was around then. All right. Well, we we solved nothing, did we? <laughs> we just made ourselves angry or happy. About, uh, uh, am I outvoted here? Are, are there two pro, two two con, or I am I am pro Dave Grohl. I am I, am, I say thumbs down. I am con Hall of Fame induction. I, I am neither for nor against. Mm-hmm. You you're playing it very level over there. I like it. I see what you're doing. So I guess. I'm not sure if we solved anything, but we didn't solve anything. And congratulations to the 2021 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees. Can we just agree that the Randy Rhodes guitar solo on the live Ozzy Osbourne tribute album in Suicide Solution is one of the best minute and 30 seconds ever? I'm certainly not going to argue against. Yeah, you got no, you got no fight. All right, you got no fight. Just throwing that out there. Just throwing that out there. It's awesome. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me on this beautiful podcast. Got anything else hey, you want to add? Absolute pleasure to be hanging out and talking to you guys all these years later. Uh, we didn't hang out a lot, but uh, partying with you guys when I was a little bit too old to do it was absolutely some of the most fun I ever had in my life. Uh, you guys are legit. Uh, James, I'm sorry for not saying your name on the previous podcast. But, um, you know, uh, it gave me a certain R of mystery. It's all cool. <laughs> the brother revealed. No, but thank you very much. Uh, you guys are cool. You had a cool friend group. Uh, you know, it's it's so often that people look at their younger brother and think, oh, well, good duck guy and his dipshits. You guys are fucking hilarious and fun. So well, it's an well, honor listen, to be not, talking not to, with you. Not to toot our own horns, but I think we can all agree that one of the best musical experiences any of us ever witnessed was Grand Buffet playing in our kitchen at the Beast House. One of the best bands ever played a show in your kitchen. And it was, you want to talk about Richter scale. We might have, we might have, (laughs) we might have been on the Richter scale. Rage Against the Machine never played in your kitchen. They did not. No, Grand Buffet did though. (laughs) That's right. That's right. So you guys are still bringing the heat. I love it. Gentlemen, thank you. And uh, we'll have to do this again sometime for the Weezer episode. Jimmy Pop, call us. You know where to find us. 
There it is. We solved absolutely nothing. But man, did I have a killer time doing it. My thanks again to James and DX for taking time out of their day to yuck it up with me. Well, that's it for the podcast this week. Join me next week where my guest is um, a surprise, I guess, to all of us. Because I still don't know who it's going to be. So we'll find out together who it is. Blue skies. Until next time, everybody. Hey, yo, displace the guilt and embrace the pleasure. Your taste in music doesn't have to be measured. Yo, That's My John is a Lonely Monk production written and produced by yours truly, Nate Runkle. Theme song by Phil Tyler Music featuring Nate 3.0. Special thanks to Fox Run Brands, DX Ferris, Andrew Scott, Natalie Runkle, and the incredibly brilliant and wickedly stunning Katie Daubney. If you or anyone you know has any ideas they would like to share or any guests they would like to hear on the podcast, please feel free to reach out to us at yo that's my john at gmail.com. Or you can leave an audio message for us and possibly hear yourself on a future episode by visiting anchor.fm slash ytmj slash message. Until next time, be sure to displace the guilt and embrace the pleasure and shout to the world, yo, that's my John. John.